and welcome to episode 147 of Midweek Metagame. I'm Harry MTG, joined here for a unique episode with Gabriel Nassif. Hey, what's up, Harry? What's up, everyone? Yeah, so I'm actually here in Paris, in Gab's uh, recording room right now, and Pat sadly could not join us due to some work and Teddy complications, but we thought we still wanted to get the episode out for you guys this week. I thought it would be pretty cool to actually be in person. Uh, you guys can see right now, but we both have glasses of red wine, which, uh, yeah, <laughs> hopefully that wasn't too loud, but yes, we're going to be sipping on some wine, going to be a lot of fun, and we have actually a lot of formats to talk about today. We've done a modern league together for Channel Fireball, we did a red-white pioneer league for the stream, we played Explorer and Standard for the stream as well, so we're going to be mixing all of those formats in this week. As well as we went to the Legacy European Tour together. You only were there on the Friday, but I did, was there for commentary. So we might dabble into some deck lists that we saw there and whatnot and the experience. As well as we need to thank Raphael for being a new patron this week and supporting the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much, Raphael. Appreciate it. If you would like to support the podcast, no pressure to do so. Patreon.com slash midweek metagame. Best place to do so. As well as join the podcast Discord. You guys are chatting in there, talking about deck lists. Sometimes me, Pat, and sometimes Gab hop into the conversation. Um, and yeah, that's you know amazing. Please join. They're in the description of each podcast episode or our Twitter page. You can find the link. A few people DM me on Twitter saying the link wasn't working. I've double-checked, updated it. Now the link is. As well as, do you know what this podcast is sponsored by? Card Market, shout out to them, best place in Europe to buy Magic Gathering singles, accessories, deck boxes, sleeves, play mats. You can buy or sell on there. Pokemon, Digimon, Yu-Gi-Oh, Flesh and Blood, you name it, Card Market has it. Shout out to them, they're absolute legends for supporting the podcast for a very long time. We're coming up, to, I feel like we're coming up to almost a year now with them, to be fair, we need to work that out. But yeah, shout out to Card Market. I think that's all the shilling done for today. we got some magic to get into. I think first off, maybe we should talk about why am I still in Paris? Should I give that story? Yeah. Oh, dang. Okay, so I did come to Paris specifically for the Legacy European Tour because Gab's so kind. We agreed that I would come a couple days early, so I flew in on Wednesday with the tour tournament weekend following and, uh, yeah, hung out, did a stream, did whatever, did poker stream. That was quite sick. How much did we lose again? A couple hundred euros. <laughs> Yeah, on that, each. that was quite rough, but uh, yeah, we split the money, lost some poker tournaments, whatever. Pretty, you know, fun weekend still, or sorry, week. Get to the weekend, great. Sunday night, I'm chilling. And I realized, wait a second, British Airways hasn't sent me my flight ticket yet. So I go into the British Airways app and I see it says like, um, uh, what does it say? It says, like, you're flying home on Thursday, Harry. And I'm like, what? Because my hotel's only booked till Monday morning. So I'm, like, panicking. I messaged um, the team at Legacy. And Legacy were so kind that whatever they hooked up, they were like, just buy a plane ticket. We'll refund it. So I'm like, calm. Go buy a plane ticket. And uh, get to the airport Monday morning. Think everything's okay. I stayed up all night because I was pretty nervous. And, uh, yeah, I get to the British Airways desk, hand them, I'm like, yeah, uh, here's my receipt. They look at it, they type my name to the system, like, can we have your passport? I'm like, yeah, that's fine, give them my passport. And they're like, um, this ticket is for October 3rd. 
So I'm like, what? Because in my head, I bought it for today. What's even weirder is that the October 3rd ticket exactly lined up with the ticket on Monday, which I guess makes sense because they fly in schedules, but we're annoying coincidence. So burnt 70 euros on the taxi to the airport, burnt money on the ticket. So then I'm kind of panicking. Uh, so messaged Gab again. I was like, dude, I'm stranded. Like, <laughs> can you help a brother out? And, and you, you hooked it up. Yeah, no, as as it's cool. I mean, it's cool. No, but I was happy to have you back and just for a few extra days. So now we're recording this episode live. We have a bunch of formats to talk about, but I feel like I just haven't been winning in Standard and Explorer. <laughs> Um, that one league went well was the white red deck. I wasn't like super impressed, but the, the results was there. Um, played a bit with creativity. That deck's been just crushing, honestly. It does keeps doing well. I think that was one copy in the top eight at Legacy Tournament. Dude, that Legacy name just <laughs> just so confusing every time. But Legacy is the org that organizes all the, the big turns in Europe right now. And I figured we should maybe start with that. Just give us your experience keep in mind that harry might be a little biased since he's you know on their payroll right now and he's been working with them but the the team does seem like they're trying to improve every tournament and they're motivated and i know they get a bad rep we've talked about it because they have to charge pretty high prices but that's partly because wizards is not supporting tournaments the way they, they used to you know, I was talking to some French players. Actually, some French players were organizing a kind of counter tournament. <laughs> you know, kind of show their this discontent was the the org, the tournament, the wizard in general. You know, and I guess that's one way to you know. If I guess you need to let wizards know in some ways that it's 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 not okay. It's not good enough. They maybe need to do a bit more. So I I, I get it. You know, it's uh, I guess it's. You know, that's definitely like reasonable stance to have. Yeah, so I guess to start off, for whatever I say, before you make a judgment, if you've attended the card market series in the past, I would say that the card market series in general was better than the legacy tournaments. I think that card market can run streams better. I think that card market uh, had better com has better communication. Um, the side events were really good and I think the fact that card market ran things as just card market with no Watsy, the prizes are easier and whatnot. So while I don't, I'm not saying legacy events are terrible, I would definitely say if you've went to a card market series event in the past, expect a bit less than that. But tournament on Friday, I actually did play some side events. I played in the, mo it's called the modern level up in the afternoon. Played with my close friend, uh, Sergio, from Barcelona. Shout out to anyone from Barcelona listening. I got a lot of thank yous, or like, you know, hellos. And actually a few photographs from people from Barcelona. So, shout out to you a lot. But yeah, that was really fun. I went 2-1. I got like 160... No, I don't know how much how many points I got. I think I got 120 prize wall tickets. But I, I just instantly gave them away. Because I, I don't really have use for booster packs. But... The events, I thought it was a bit weird to have three round events at a GP or or at a legacy, like a big event. Like it was 40 euros, three rounds, and 
I just, it was kind of a bit underwhelming because, it, you know, GPs for me used to be four rounds, higher stakes, because you're at a huge hall and there were at least 60 to 80 players in the event. Oh no, sorry, it's it's actually 64. They uh, w wait till 64 players have, and if 64 players register before the event is scheduled to start, they start the event and start a new sign-up for another 64. So my event hit 64, started 20 minutes early, and the other one, I think, got like 56 and then started. So that was at least they're firing multiple events. But yeah, I definitely think that the three rounds is a bit underwhelming. I also was surprised that rounds lasted for like an hour and 15 minutes, but, or like out, it was like a very long amount of time. The, the round started at 3.20 and at 4.20, they still hadn't said anything over the mic. Everyone was, yeah, so I was a bit confused. Um, and uh, I think... There was a mix-up, and then after that, the rounds went fine, but that was a bit weird. And then, yeah, played Blue Red Merktide, borrowed it from Saheo, obviously. I beat, I lost to Blue Black um, Asmo in the round one. Round two, I beat Amulet Titan. It was really weird, because game one against Titan, they had double Amulet with an Urza Saga in play. So on turn three, they... They sacked the Urza Saga that they played turn one, got a, s a second amulet, cast Summoner's Pact, and I'd f I had whatever mana open. I think I had two blue open. And my hand was like double Merktide, double Bolt, and I double red up. And they Summoner's Pact, got Dryad of the Elysian Grove, and then just scooped. So they're like, Dryad? I'm like, that's fine, yeah. They don't even, they just go... Oh shit! And just they realized they couldn't pay for the pact. <laughs> I, do, I don't know. He just, well, the thing is, I was like, "Is do you want to like undo anything?" Because he was like, "No, no, no, I can't beat your counter spell." I was like, "Oh, that's right." Wow. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, you can't beat my counter spell. Scoop him up." But um, yeah, a bit awkward. But yeah, then round three. I got paired against someone who is O one and one, and they were they were like, I literally can't win any prizes, so win or loss, I'm gonna concede to you. And yeah. we just played. They crushed me two O. Yeah. <laughs> on green red Ponza against Merktide, and then yeah. they just scooped after game two. So fair, fair. So I think, in my opinion, I think there either needs to be same prizes four rounds because I'd rather play four rounds, or like. Uh, uh, yeah, some something needs to be rebalanced there, and I think a lot of people agree. Main event though, I thought the main event was was really good. They had a load of judges, like it felt like more judges than a GP, um, and I thought the coverage was really good. For those who don't know, Legacy actually uh, hires out a coverage company to do it for them because they're too busy managing the venue. And uh, they're an Italian-based company called Foxhound Factory. And they, they, I basically have spoken with them. And they normally do, like, Counter-Strike, Rocket League, Valorant, League of Legends, like, streams in, in Italy. And basically, they set up uh, magic streams. 
And what what's funny is they asked me for feedback after Copenhagen a couple week, couple like a month and a bit ago, and they genuinely implemented almost every change, which was really sick. Like we needed dice in the coverage area, we needed tokens. They've got it. There were player cams. There were interviews in between rounds. There were uh, a lot of things. I probably can't quote everything, but they upped up. They said to me, actually, specifically, they said, we're putting extra effort in on the same budget. So they were working on the tightest margins because um, that's how it goes in this industry. And they still managed to improve it immensely. Like they brought like six extra webcams and whatever. Yeah, it was sick. The sad thing is, though, and I think a lot of people listening to the podcast will know, is that if you watch the stream, it was severely messed up by sunlight. Did you manage to watch any of the stream? Nobody told me about it. Yeah, so, like, basically, the sun was, like, shining on the cards, and sometimes, like, rounds were just ruined because half of the cards were just bright white, like, actual white, and the Foxhound factory was getting so much hate for it, and genuinely behind the scenes every round there was one member of staff doing something to try and ruin sorry not ruin try and fix this light and we spoke to the venue organizer whatever and basically what it came down to is the coverage area had to be in a specific spot because of the rules of the venue with cables crossing doorways so it had to be next to a fire exit next to the fire exit now the fire exit is like four big glass doors that let through sunlight so we weren't allowed to block the sunlight because that's a fire hazard or, or like a safety hazard. We tried putting a tarp over the coverage area, like a custom tarp with like a magic so, uh, sign that we weren't using. And it collapsed on the players during a round. So instantly the judges were like, no, you're not allowed to do this. Take it down. Then we got the, the actual venue to turn off some lights because apparently the shine on the cards is due to two points of lights connecting in one area. Okay. Or something like the... So they wanted the lights turned off. So then the judges got pissed off because one round, the lights kept like flickering on and off in on day two because the, the venue was trying to work out if they could... Basically, everything was going wrong to remove this glare. Yeah. So like that made it seem like the coverage was way worse than it actually was. But apart from that, coverage was... Great. Everything went smoothly, well-planned, well-staffed, and I enjoyed my time. And um, the event was just great. I saw We saw brews. We didn't see much four-color control. I even... Um, we basically do, like, we have three casters, and every two... Every th- three rounds, you get one round off. So you'll do two matches, and then a match off, two matches, and a match off, blah, blah. So every mat, every round... There's a a caster off and they're meant to scout the top 16 tables and pick the favorite deck, like the brew, whatever. So day one, we saw Merfolk at X and 1 on the last round. Sadly, they lost to Titan. Uh, We saw 68, yes, 68 card elementals with four Besaju, four Ottawara. And then four, yeah, four X of every elemental card you can kind of think of. You were shaking your head. Why is that? Yeah, that was still doesn't make sense to me. You tried to explain. I was so confused. Dude, they literally crushed their opponent on stream as well. I think we got them on at like X, 
X2 at round 11, so they're 9 and 2. And, um, <laughs> no, no, X2 at round 12, yeah, they were 10 and 2, that was it. And uh, <laughs> they just crushed the opponent. They had a deck check in the middle of the round, so it's a bit rude, but they 2 0 them. It was like, they just w went like, oh, what was it? Like, they had, f they didn't care about using Fury and Solitude because they had eight Risen Reefs in the deck. They had four Risen Reef, four Phantasmal Image, a couple, uh, what's the land copy card? Oh, Mimic. Yeah. Glasspool Mimic. Glasspool Mimics. So at one point on the coverage, they had five Risen Reefs in play. So they just cast an Invoke <laughs> Elemental, draw five, cast them. Yeah, and the, the sad thing is it, is it worked, 68 cards. And I think I did see someone in the Twitch chat, like, oh, this is my best friend or something, or they go to my LGS and they play 68 cards because of the land spell density or something. Yeah. I was like, this just sounds so BS. Like, why don't you just play 12 extra cards in Yorion then? Your deck, they, like, they're playing like two Ephemery, two Flicker Wisp. Like, do you know Flicker Wisp's an elemental? Because I found out like that day. Yeah. Dude, just jokes. Like, Sometimes you just need the perfect ratio, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you, you were looking at the top eight deck lists. I thought... You know, you got some interesting opinions. No, I just thought it was cool. There was eight-ish different archetypes. There was two hammer decks that are mono-white hammer, blue-white hammer. You had blue-white control, five-color creativity was Leyland Binding. You have just Stog Grixis Shadow that won the tournament, Stock Living in in second place. No good diversity, no four-color control. That was like your favorite. You mentioned that like 20 times. <laughs> like favorite thing about the event. Do you know what the coverage peaked at on Twitch? How many viewers you guys got? Oh, I think we peaked at like 1,600. Yeah, 1, that's not bad. Obviously, it's always like a little underwhelming when you see that the, the, the work that goes into it and, you know, the, the people involved and... You get less viewers than you know spike would get on a daily basis or croakies and stuff so mm. it's always the same i feel like oh we want more coverage of events one more cover and then when it happens you'll just i mean 1600 is really good but well like i guess to point out though is that legacy only has 2000 followers on their twitch yeah. channel so i think like if you're like because spike i don't know how much because i must be like 30 40k so followers so it's like that's all from the Magic Explorer yeah. part, or a lot of it. So I think, like, Legacy's logic is that, well, Copenhagen peaked at 1.2. This one peaked at 1.6. Yeah. Okay. If they keep accruing yeah. followers, keep growing, it's very profitable. Yeah, that is a big increase. Yeah, and, and um, what is it? I mean, they only need, like, let's say 10, 12 to 20 people to be like, oh, I want to go to a Legacy event. Yeah. And they probably start making their money back from the coverage. Yeah. But I completely agree with what you're saying. Like the there there is like, you know, limited viewership. You're fighting with a lot of people, and, and it's a t it's a tough market. That's Twitch. You know, you got it's a gamble at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah, yeah. For those of you who don't watch my stream, I was away at one of my best mates' wedding. I said I would try to tune in, but I ended up barely, you know, being on my phone at all on the weekend. Uh, not playing any challenges. We did go through the results of Modern and Pioneer. There was even a showcase for Modern and a showcase for Pioneer. Didn't see anything out of the ordinary, like decent bit of creativity in, 
in modern whether they're playing leyline binding or not we played the the one league for cfb was i don't know i played a league for cfb i think maybe i played one league was binding one was out i think was the deck and binding was pretty good the, the mana hurt you know the extra color the extra tap land the extra foundry you get one one less fetch land was running six but the the bindings did they worked the bindings were good for me when i drew them and they, they got me out of some some bad spots. It is a little scary when you get paired against a Teferi deck or the kind of domino effect that can happen if you have a bunch of their permanents on their binding and all of a sudden they start bouncing them and you know they get to trigger their red and six or whatever you have on their binding. Usually it's gonna like have a coming to play or something. So that part is all scary. There was a bunch of games I won was like triple binding, but it felt like you know if ever they. They had something for them. I would have been in trouble if I like a little lucky, but that that keeps doing well. So hammer time, you know, when 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 in one of the showcase anyway do well. I think Will Pulliam, who's you know, has been one of my teammates for testing. He he came in second in the the modern showcase. Was I think what is probably um, just uh, you know happy sandwiches list. I. Uh, was another blue-white control list that won the Pioneer Showcase, I think, just close or identical to Oscar Franco's list with the two detention spheres in the main, the Alpha Sun Champion in the sideboard. Um, just super solid list. Definitely what I would be playing right now. And then I kind of want to get in... I've been playing a bit of Standard. I've been really struggling in Standard. Cannot, like, get out of Platinum right now in Arena. I mean, I haven't been playing a ton, but... I'm barely over 50% win rate. And there's actually a standard showcase this weekend. There's standard and legacy. I have mm. a bunch of points. I'm not sure I can play on Sunday. I have uh, my niece and nephew's birthday uh, party and stuff. But um, yeah, Saturday, I think I'm going to be playing uh, standard on Magic Online, which is something I haven't done in probably literal years. You know, I've played a bit of vintage, even a bit of legacy, but standard on Magic Online. Um, you know, uh, standards just dominated by black decks right now, whether it's mono black was Invoke Despair or Grixis, Mardu, White Black. Just doesn't matter that it's really good. Um, I've been trying to play a bit of mono white, which is supposed to be like kind of a counter to to the black decks. You play Sarah Paragon, you can play Celestis. You play a lot of, of value cards, but at the end of the day, you know, fighting off combination of card advantage from black the good planeswalkers invoke despair is just such a nightmare you know no matter how good your draw is if someone just goes like triple invoke despair <laughs> you know what are you meant to do so that's that's still been rough um but um yeah we also played a bit of explorer harry was like ooh, he was playing some arena i was i was gone out to dinner the other day and he was just playing on my account on on, on my Twitch channel, and he was actually enjoying himself on Arena. Yeah, I think, to be honest, on this podcast, I've been like an Arena sleeper. I've criticized it, but let's be real. If you give me the Gabriel Deceive God account on Arena, can I, and I can play whatever I want in front of like four to 600 people, I had a blast. And Explorer, to me, genuinely felt like training wheels for Pioneer. And that's what I really enjoyed. I felt like... Um, Pioneer has a is a lot faster paced because you have more degenerate cards in Pioneer like Nykthos is one that 
like the main one I can think off the top of my head. Um, so yeah, I played Blue Eye Control and Explorer, and I thought I thought it was amazing. I, I genuinely loved it. The top, de- the most decks I played against were Black Red Mid Range. I played against Mono Red Golos with Karn and um, the Fires of Invention. Played against Bent Spirits. I played against Mono Green. Played against Mono Red. Like these are all pioneer decks. If I said I played a pioneer league and played against those five decks, you wouldn't question it. So, like. Yeah, I just really enjoyed Explorer. I enjoyed Arena. We played Standard. I enjoyed Standard. We played Alchemy as for Control. I thought that that was okay. Like, it wasn't my favorite format, but I think I was a big criticizer of these, like, janky Arena-only cards. But I thought that as, like, a little side game mode, it wasn't the end of the world. And, yeah, I just generally enjoyed myself, to be honest. Arena... At a free level of, com- like, if it's competitive and free, I-, I really enjoyed myself, to be honest. Yeah, you were even hard casting Shark Typhoon. <laughs> that was kind of the trying to get subbed and sub the stipulation. Yeah, to hard cast Shark Typhoon, no matter how bad it was. It did cost you a, a few games. I think apparently that was a game where Harry cast hard cast free Shark Typhoons and then lost. Oh, it was but, uh, yeah. so bad. I played against a Red Black Bid Range and they flipped a Fable of the Mirror Breaker. And um, they, for some reason, tapped Den of the Bugbear to animate it with, what is it, six mana? Yeah. So they tapped Den, animated it, and then used the fable to copy the tapped Den of the Bugbear for some reason to copy it. Oh, because I could have blocked the original Den. But the, the problem is, is that fable just copies the card, so it makes a copy of a tapped fable of the Mirror Breaker as a land, not as a creature. So they did that. Then the next turn, they animated the fable and did it again. When they could have just copied the goblin token and attacked yeah. twice. Like, so that was awkward. Won that game. Game two, like you said, turn six, seven, and eight, I cast Shark Typhoon. And I, and I still lost. Lost that game because I think, what did they do? They like burnt me out with Bone Crusher Giant, I think, because I went down to one life somehow. And then game three, I just got mana flood. It was awkward, but overall, like hard casting shark typhoon. I think I, someone counted like seventeen sharks were put on the table. Uh, it didn't seem that bad. Like I didn't lose that many games with hard cast shark. Yeah, we played. I played a few matches. We actually lost to fires. Blue red fires, kind of old school fires with Karuga, the companion, mm. the one of the forgotten companions. And I think we build a deck. I think we, we, we played a couple matches when 1-1. One, one, but yeah, they were just playing Fires. Fable of the Mirror Breaker was, you know, obviously you're playing right these days. You're probably going to play Fable. Uh, and they had Brazen Bower and Boon Crusher to have some early, early, early cards. Early interaction plays. The, the Red Cavalier was Fires. The Sphinx, the one that lets you scry if you really it in your opening hand. And then mm. all, all these, these cards that were you know the, the standard that kind of was at the wide and that's kind of cool see i guess fires makes sense fire of, of invention is a card that's just really powerful and legal in pioneer um and explorer so yeah no it, it was fun we played that the league was white red you seem to think it was really well positioned against green which we did beat we went four and one in the league i did feel like it was one of these not very convincing for ones where 
we drew pretty good. Our opponents maybe didn't draw the best. We had some decent matchups, and I was not super impressed, but the result was there. Um, you seem to think it's like kind of the mono green killer though, because they can't really. It was funny because Harry kept saying how they can't be ginger brute because <laughs> they can't block it. You just load up a ginger brute, and there's nothing they can do. And then the one mono green opponent we play against just had the um, the Olvenvald beast, which is four four haste trample or something. The questing beast light that flips, and they actually could block it and had an answer. And that card kind of crushed us in one of the games. But uh, yeah, we, we managed to piece uh, piece some wins together with that deck. Um, I don't know if you want to tell us more about it. Yeah, well, see, because I've been in Paris and um, for over a week, I've been able to test with Cherry, but he's been jamming loads of Pioneer decks. And as I as we're talking, 20 minutes ago, Cherry X-Men tweets on Twitter, Forrowed my first prelim in two years. Needed some QPs for the weekend, so play with red-white artifacts in Pioneer and finished off with a 4-0 as a nice result testing for the mocks. Now, I have been talking extensively with Cherry um, about Pioneer and whatnot, and I don't think that he's going to be playing this deck in the mocks, but uh, generally speaking, I think that Cherry and I believe that it's a very powerful deck list to go with, and... Uh, to, to be honest, from what I've been seeing from Cherry, I think we're just going to jam mono green. Uh, he's just going to jam mono green in the mocks. The logic is Pioneer's a pillar. You've got red, black, you've got blue, white, you've got mono green, and then you've got a couple decks dancing around them. And it seems to be, look, let's be real. Cherry's best results in Pioneer have been with mono green. He knows how to play the deck perfectly. I think he's the best mono green player in the world, right? Because he won the mocks qualifier with it. Why don't you just jam mono green? So that that's my logic. I think that's Cherry's logic, and I think that's what he's going to go with in Pioneer. But overall, I really like the red-white deck. For those who don't know, it's playing the saga called uh, Michiko's something, and it's a saga that pumps twice on one and two for plus X, plus X, where X is the number of artifacts and enchantments you control. And then it flips into an Urza construct, but including, including enchantments. So... I don't know. I think the deck really has legs, and I think it's very underexplored as well. I feel like Pioneer doesn't have enough yeah. content to really pump out new deck ideas and whatnot. I think uh, Ch- Cherry definitely understands the Pioneer format a lot better than me, and the fact that he really likes it makes me really like it because he's my testing partner, but also he's been winning with it. So it's pretty good against green. It's kind of bad against red-black, but you have showdown of the skulls in the sideboard that's supposed to Help you in that matchup. What about against blue white? I believe that you're meant to be favored against blue white, specifically because of the land, the t- the colorless land. Do you remember the name of it? Yeah, the roadside reliquary. Really, that's, that's it. Yeah, difference maker. I mean, I know that we went four one and the draws felt underwhelming, but from my experience and watching Cherry, the deck is meant to be way more explosive on average than our draws and the roadside reliquary the Michiko, the all that glitters, it, it really is meant to like make the deck feel insanely busted. And I just wonder maybe, you know, I'm not as experienced with the list and you've never played it before and maybe our draws felt underwhelming because our mulligan decisions were wrong maybe or... I actually felt like our opening hands and our draws were pretty decent. We mulliganed a few times but and that's what worries me. I felt like we're drawing go- good 
our opponents were not always running that good. The one green matchup you said should be really good was still super, super close. So it was like, you know, I was, I was not super sold, but... Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. I think, I think overall in Pioneer, I see a lot of like, you know, almost, almost hate for the format. I was reading on Twitter today, someone thinks there should be an unbanning or whatever. I've personally really liked it. I feel like there's a lot of, or at least some wiggle room, but maybe pe some people are scared of Liliana kind of boosting red-black too much, but I, I haven't seen this as the case, and I think there's a lot of ways you can easily beat red-black. So for me personally, I've really enjoyed it. I know you haven't been playing too much, but what's kind of your overall thought of the format? I've been playing actually Pioneer a decent bit uh, with Serial like Blue-White. I think you might be right, because you look at the decks in Pioneer, they're not super, super impressive. I mean, Blue-White's solid, Mono-Green deck can can get kind of out of hand, Red-Black is good, but it's, you know, people were making fun that Red-Black's the less, you know, it's the best deck in the format, it's just the less bad deck in the format. So maybe maybe there's a little room for some something, you know, and I think people just tend to not put in the work maybe they don't have the time to do so and they want to do well in, in the turns they plan so they just go as known known quantity but yeah i i i also dislike like now as a pioneer player i feel like people look at the format a bit wrong it's not an eternal format you know to be honest i feel like they're almost trying to phase out standard at this point. I don't really see much standard stuff. I know that the Legacy European Tours going to be standard soon. So Watsy wants standard to be around, I guess, on paper for a bit longer. But I don't know. I feel like, to me, Pioneer reminds me almost of, like, standard four years ago. It feels almost like Teamer Energy style metas. Like, you have good mid-range decks and then you have some sort of, like, aggro decks that compete and you know I, I i really personally enjoy it to me it feels like what magic was like when i first joined the game so i i i really like that aspect and i think there's always room to find a new deck so yeah i i, I really like it but i guess moving to standard because we talked about it so much what was that deck we were playing we were playing like Grease Fang is like a weird Grease Fang list, right? In standard, we were playing Grease. Oh, that's the f the deck list from Jose from one of my viewers and subs. Kind of a crazy list, and it was it was good. Yeah, it was Grease Fang, Fable. Obviously, also had blue. It was four color for Tezzer, the Planeswalker. Mm. That card was really really good. Taking the games over it lets you activate Bang Buster. Oh, I forgot about that deck. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was kind of a, a brew, you know, in a sea of, of black mid-range decks and whatnot. That was all uh, a, bre brush, a, brush, a breath of fresh air. And yeah, it, it was impressive, honestly. It could use a little tweaking, probably. But I actually think I made the deck worse because what happened is the deck had Leyline Binding. But we kept getting in these spots where literally it would be a six-mana binding, <laughs> even though I would have four lands in play. And you had to play, you know, the, the new Plaza land. That land was really impressive. The one that taps for colorless or any color for legend spell also can 
sack it, pay free to protect uh, a legendary creature. Like I think it's like hexproof and destructible or something. But um, yeah, that that land was really impressive. But yeah, it was so I cut them. But then I started losing, getting in spots where I needed some kind of removal and I didn't have removal. So binding didn't, didn't look so bad anymore. But yeah, I guess that's that's a good starting point. I've been trying to, to play a bit of control. I think maybe Esper is the way to go if you want to go control. I think maybe going heavy on the Celestis could be an option just because everything else kind of gets wrecked by Invoke Despair, but Artifact's on. And, you know, as someone who's never been the greatest fan of, of Bangbuster, I must say it is a really important card in standard right now. Just card advantage. It, it can pressure Planeswalkers. It leaves you a board presence after Sweeper. It survives Invoke Despair, so... That card has seemed seem pretty important and it's just played in, in tons of deck, whether you're playing mono-white mid-range, a lot of the black decks that the deck we're talking about, um, even even the, the John decks kind of was your reanimator package, they can play Bangbuster as well, cards, cards everywhere. Yeah, I, I thought it, to me it was a great star deck for the format because I'm used to Greasefang, Fable, Bangbuster I've seen a little bit because my... Streamer friend Taimu loves that freaking card in Pioneer, dude. He brews these like Emery Bankbuster decks. They're so bad. He's just <laughs> obsessed with Emery and Bankbuster. So I know Bankbuster like the back of my hand. Uh, what else? We had the Tesseract. I, I was very surprised by yeah. I guess for those who don't know what Tez does, it has a static ability and it's like, what is it? At on each turn you you can pay two less to activate an artifact or something yeah on each of your turns the first time you activate an artifact ability it costs two less so you can't sack a treasure you can't do anything but if you just start with like just using Mangbuster, that's free another key card to the deck was four mana vehicle it's a five you need to crew it for four and it's a five five maybe menace when you crew it but the, the real important ability is when it enters a battlefield, it deals to target creature or planeswalkers at 2x, where x is the number of vehicles you control, I guess. So if you have a bang bust route and you play it, it's four damage to anything, which is usually enough to kill. And that card was really... Like a lot of games we lost, it's because we went for like 25 cards of our deck, drawing with Tezzeret and Bangbuster and whatnot, and not finding a single mech. Mm. Um, now the, the deck was was really cool, you know. Uh, I'm not sure it can it can be tier one or whatever. I'm not even sure what what exactly is tier one in standard, but um yeah, maybe we would have a better idea after this weekend. There is, I think the format for the next arena championship is I want to say alchemy, but then I think for worlds it's standard and explorer. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those are two really cool formats because explorer is like pioneer light and then the standard is you know who can it'll be interesting to see if they can solve it uh um you know i know i know reed probably started testing i'm not part of any testing group but you know definitely looking to play these two formats just to like maybe help provide a little insight if i can if i feel strongly about uh any of the um, you know the decks because this coming i think it's like very end of october right it's the biggest for the event Mm. Um, not sure if anyone listening is going, but if you are, I'm a little jealous. Yeah, guess it's never too late to book a flight for uh, for Vegas. But yeah, should be should be a crazy, crazy, uh, crazy event. Pretty, you know, just pretty awesome event. 
I think I gen- genuinely, I probably would have gone to Vegas, but I di- it wasn't clear to me that there was only a certain number of tickets. Because I swear GP Vegas has never been like almost exclusive, right? Like, Yeah, I guess it's sold out really fast. I honestly don't even know. I didn't look into it, so I don't know what the deal is, was how the event works. Yeah, so that was that was a bit disappointing, but um, kind of talking about Explorer and Standard, I genuinely believe that I would be an arena player if they had Pioneer. Because you have Explorer, and I, I felt like the only card missing, or there was only two times where I was like, I'm going to play, play on this card, and they didn't have it. One was Nykthos, which I kind of knew wasn't on Explorer. But the other one was Spellqueller, which I think is quite a relevant card in the format because Spellqueller is a big deal in Spirits and they don't have it on Arena. So, you know, I wish that, uh, or if Watsy decide to bring Pioneer to to Arena, I'm, I'll be a player. Yeah, I mean, they're trying to. That's, that's the direction they're taking. The problem is they can't just, like, jam a bunch of cards at once or else you might just unbalance the format, which... You know, is is I think the format's okay right now. I'm also wondering just why they don't. Uh, what misses? What's what's missing on arena is just structure to like kind of exciting structure to play tournaments. Just like the mm. challenge system on, on Magic Online. They have arena opens, but they don't have they don't have them that often. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Maybe between the qualifier weekends, arena open. There's. They have the metagame challenge for some reason. They don't appeal to me. It's just like you play and you're trying to get seven wins and stuff. And I'm not sure why something about personally, anyways, uh, these these turns don't appeal to me. And I guess even the open, I'm not always like super excited about them. I'm not I'm not sure. Just a creature of habit, I guess. And it takes it takes a while to. Uh... Yeah. I mean, I think also it's a bit easy to compare Magic Online and Arena when at the end of the day, Magic Online is how many years in the making? So, you know, I think a lot of companies would have had Arena done by now, but it's WotC. So if we have a bit of patience, I mean, Arena could, you know, start making moves. I'm starting to have a bit of hope. I feel like I've been, I started this year as a mega Arena hater, and then now it's slowly dripping. It's slowly dripping into the vein. I'm not. What, what's changed besides just the one... The one? No, just explore kind of being like pioneer. I think I think that's the change. Like ha- having to me, I'm a big I'm a big advocate of trying to keep the community together in one place. Because the more platforms, the more formats you have, the more divided ultimately people are going to be in a, in a, at least in a Twitch chat. Yeah. And I feel like if Watsy, obviously, I completely understand Magical Line and the economy. You don't want to damage that. But if Watsy can find some sort of way where players are both motivated to play Arena and Magic Online without a huge cost for the user, then I would have no problems with that. And I think that that's actually a very good business plan. And if they're doing it slowly, then that's a bit annoying, but at least something is being done. Yeah, we were talking about that stuff and you are telling me like in other games, you feel like the community is not as divided as it is in Magic because of all the different formats, platforms, ways to play the game and stuff. So... Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, maybe you don't need to just have everyone play the same format, but maybe there's just like one or two too many formats. You know, at the end of the day, it does make a difference whether there's the difference between four and six formats. So like plus fifty percent if you're trying 
if all these formats are competitive format, that's still, you know, plus 50% is, is, is not nothing to formats to have the cards for, practice for, and all of that. And that was my one complaint when they tried to, when they introduced Alchemy, I thought the idea was good, but just worried that it would spread the, the player base all too thin. Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe they need to like scale it down a tiny bit and and not it's just overwhelming yeah let, let alone like money wise just you know especially with the alchemy cards that are just yeah i don't know it's maybe it's all too much right now like i i i think that well, well first off yeah i that is my idea i think you're going to slowly chop up the magic community to the point where no one wants to hang out with you know you're, you're just kind of separating everyone and to me i think that i really enjoy explorer and kind of alchemy and i'm starting to lose the purpose of standard you know because obviously you need sets to motivate people to buy packs but i mean is standard really doing that standard at my lgs spec in reading is completely non-existent the lgs that i go to in london doesn't play standard so where is the st like where is the standard motivators coming from? The p players in Barcelona they all said that no one plays standard. All LGSs are pioneer and modern. So what's he have these statistics? I mean they know who's playing standard, and I'm I'm I think that might that might go on the chopping block. And I wonder if they're using competitive standard on paper to really see is it actually having an impact? Because yeah, but isn't I think arena. I think standard is probably the most popular format in arena because it's the easiest to to build decks for when you're you're free to play probably when you're starting mm. to play. So there's that, but you know you're also seeing how they should have maybe more ways to to get people who play standard arena to want to play paper. You're seeing something that's maybe not super realistic where you show up to a tournament and you can print your arena oh, deck yeah. in paper or something. <laughs> Obviously, that's like the logistic of that one's probably a little too complicated, but something to help the maybe arena player base get into paper magic or... Yeah. Yeah, I'm a strong believer that probably Watsy's number one priority after COVID should have been our player base online is clearly fluctuated because everyone's on their PC. Let's do some sort of special event. It could have even been in Las Vegas. Imagine if Magic 30, if you pre-order your ticket and pay an extra fee, let's say you pay $100, I don't know how much the entry fee was, you pay X as your entry fee, plus you pay $75, where $1 per card, 75 cards, $1 per card, you can print that from your arena account. And my logic behind this is, is that you want everyone who's playing Arena, who has cards on Arena, to be like, wow, all of my grinding has translated this in paper. And you do it as one time so that you try to not affect the second-hand market. And also, I feel like if you're porting your Arena cards to paper, in theory, they're going to keep them and not sell them. So, you know, and, and obviously they have to play with that deck in the tournament. Like, I feel like you need to kind of, 
you know, kickstart, like, you know, what do drug dealers do? You give, like, the free dose, you know? <laughs> you give the free dose. Hey, we're doing so good, and now you come with a drug dealing analogy. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I'm not sure that's your, how you're getting Wizards people on board. <laughs> sorry, it's, meant, it's just a joke, but, yeah, like, <laughs> but that's the logic, right? <laughs> you got to give the dose to these arena donnies, and, and then you'll get some loyal, your loyal, loyal players, as well as that deck that they buy at, at the tournament will last them at least three to six months, you know? So, I don't know. I, I think Watsy might... If Watsy's listening after even after that comment, gotta try and bring the communities together, and that's by, first off, porting electronic players to paper. Yeah, and we're also talking about, you know, we've been talking a lot about how they don't support the organizers as much with prizes and you said something about like especially right now out of the pandemic first you're back and you know they could have maybe even if they don't plan to do it forever at least the first year like give more prizes maybe be transparent about it be like i don't know it's kind of tough you know be like it might not always be like that but we're throwing extra prizes the bad thing is you don't want to like usually don't want to go down with these things you don't want to just start high and let the prizes go lower and quality go you know lower so i'm not sure what the solution is but yeah i don't know because it's kind of a disaster if the first year goes bad of all these live events and stuff then i feel like it just might you know just collapse and be like vicious circle where there's even less next year and i don't know yeah i'm a bit worried was all the, the live stuff yeah, I'm 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 also worried, but I think that it's tough. Because when you see things like SCG running at 220Ks and both of them barely hit 200 players, it gets a bit scary, you know? And maybe their, maybe their goal is to just all get us to play commander. Yeah, and and I and I think I'm allowed to say this, you know, I did see a Watsi employee or a Watsi associate, or some sort of... Is there one in Paris again? Yeah, okay. there was one in Copenhagen. Was it the same one who was I, in Copenhagen? I didn't, see, I didn't see them in Paris this time, because I was very busy, but... But you know there was... Someone... There was confirmed a Watsi employee at Paris, from what I was told, and if you're sending out people to come and look at an event, that implies that you want to improve it, right? So... You know, it's not cheap to fly someone from the U.S. to Paris. They might not be flying from the U.S., though. It could just be European. Right. Well, the first the guy in Copenhagen was 100% American. Okay. So, yeah. But either way, it costs money to put someone in that venue hall, right? You could just ask Legacy for some feedback. No, they're sending someone there. So if you're doing that, you're spending money. It must mean you'd like to improve. So... Legacy knows best. They have all the stats. They have all the money. They have all the numbers. They're going to pass that to Watsi, right? And Watsi are going to process it. And this logic obviously applies to face-to-face -face games in Canada. It applies to DreamHack in the US. Yeah. And I feel like you wouldn't be collecting information of all these things like raw data from your staff if you didn't care about making improvements. That's, so. that's another bad one I heard. Apparently, if you qualified for... The regional finals in the US, the DreamHack one, you still have to pay the like 100 bucks entry fee. There's an entry fee, which is like, I mean, there's never been that in the history of Magic. I feel like that's pretty bad, you know. Whether you qualified for nationals, a pro tour, or anything, never had to, that was the whole point. You qualified, you paid an entry fee to, 
to qualifier and, and now they're asking apparently they're asking for an interview i don't know if it's going to be the same in europe maybe but that 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 was i'm guessing that wrong a bunch of people the wrong way i mean they kind of know people are going to pay because right you qualify you're just you know you're, you're probably going to pay but yeah did you ever play i guess not because of hall of fame but rptq no when it was p so this is one i'm first off i think that it is wrong to charge a hundred bucks i agree but when RP, when you had PPTQ, RPTQ, Pro Tour, that you had to pay for the RPTQ, mm. right? And if you think about it logically right now, we have RCQ, uh, RQ, and then Pro Tour. It's yeah. the same with different names. And because people are valuing the R, RQ, or I don't know what the name is, but the regionals as the Pro Tour, and they think 100 bucks, they're thinking scam. But when you change all the names to PPTQ, RPTQ, and Pro Tour, instantly it's okay to charge money for the RPTQ. So what I want to see first is the prizes, because if the prizes are really good and the hundred bucks, like, is not, like, if your EV is good, maybe it's not terrible. But yeah, I do think that the communication was wrong, because I think that a lot of people played RCQs that maybe weren't the best EV. But with the invite, they're like, okay, it's actually worth it. And then yep. they get the hundred bucks slapped on them. They're like, what the hell? So, you know, you, you, I, I think that is very wrong. And yeah. there, there isn't information about Europe. Like, imagine if the Europe... Yeah, I, I will say I'm not 100%. I just heard, like, of that being the case. I'm not 100% sure that's actually what's happening, I guess. I should, I should mention that. But I, I think, because I saw, like... Some of my friends talked about it. At first, I was confused. I wasn't sure what they were talking about. I thought it was maybe like just to, it was the price of the convention and to pay to get in. But no, I think it's like yeah, it is, a, it is fee to a tournament. Yeah, yeah, hundred buck fee for I think both Canada and the U.S. I saw some um Canadians yeah. on on pri on a private Twitter talking about hundred or or maybe it was eighty dollars. I think maybe it was eighty six, eighty dollars for like face to face. Mm. And don't quote don't quote me on that though for face to face, but DreamHack one hundred percent. I know that you have to pay hundred bucks. Yeah. And what I'm worried about is that if EU, or sorry, if Canada and US have to pay hundred bucks, then what's the happening in the yeah. EU? So all a bit nerve wracking. Yeah, because it used to be that competitive magic used to be the kind of their advertising budget, right? That's they would put up the money. And that's what would motivate people to play more magic, buy more cards and stuff. Cause you know, so, but now it's just like, it feels like it's not that anymore. It's just like you're paying for your hobby and it's just like you would pay for other hobbies. You pay for the right to, to play magic and stuff at competitive level, which I don't know, obviously we're, you know, maybe we're just spoiled and lucky and whatnot, but it, it feels a little off and a little wrong. Yeah. Well, what's funny is that Yu-Gi-Oh! actually has this problem. My friend David from Sweden, he used to play competitive Yu-Gi-Oh! And he top 32'd a very prestigious Yu-Gi-Oh! tournament. Yeah. You know what his prize was? A cup. A plastic cup with a Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> with the yeah. Yu-Gi-Oh! logo on it. It feels like just, you know, capitalism. Just the same as everything. Like, when... When the government's taking care of something and the prices are pretty good and stuff, and then they decide like, oh, we're just gonna let private companies run it, and 
the market is going to solve itself and it'll be okay. And it turns out, you know, they're just private companies just trying to make as much money as possible. And service gets, you know, it's kind of feels like the same way, you know, like Wizards was the government and they were subsidizing stuff and doing pretty good job and stuff and decided to like sell out and let, and now it did. I mean, we'll see, maybe they'll do a good job and stuff. It doesn't seem like the feedback's like super, super great right now, even though yeah. I'm sure the orgs are, are trying their best, but they still have to, to, to make a profit and stuff. And, you know, I guess that's what happens when you go from kind of non-profit org to for-profit org. Uh, the, the customers gets, gets, gets screwed. Maybe, yeah. maybe I'm, I'm simplifying a bit more and maybe the, the analogy is not great, but I think it's, I no, I think so. And, and you know, people say, like, legacies scamming people and they're money grabbers, but yeah, I, I don't that, even know they're making money. Yeah, that rubbed me the wrong way when some of the Frenchies were kind of organizing a counter event. You know, I'm okay with sending a message to Wizards or sending a message to whoever, but actually calling it the, like, scam GP when, you know, I've seen, you know, kind of, interacted with them but mostly interacted with you who interacts with them and they're trying their best and they were they're super nice and that was i felt like that was a i saw that on twitter on one of the frenchies twitter and that kind of rubbed me the wrong way yeah 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 i think the the thing is as well is that if you think that Legacy's event is a scam and you don't go, it's only going to get more expensive. Someone has to pay for the venue hall. And if you don't, like, I'm not saying go broke to well, go to a magic. Or not, or Wizards would step in and make it Yeah, true. Better. Yeah, I guess if it flops, then Wizards steps in. So I guess, I don't know either way, but Wizards have to do something. That's, that's my overall thoughts. It definitely lies down to Wizards because they're the ones letting Legacy do it. And if you know, I think people put hate on legacy. Legacy are trying their best. It's Watsy you should be tweeting them, my geez. Yeah. So I mean it is they're still like they had like five hundred people for the main. I don't know how many they had in Copenhagen. There's even like strikes, like air controlling strikes and stuff. Like that's mm. one of the reasons why cancer didn't come. He was supposed to do commentary. He got sick and his flag got like cancelled or delayed, so he kind of like that's too much gave up. Um, which makes sense, but despite that, because I heard the number of like 450 players for the main, and it actually got 496, I think you said. Yes. That was good. The viewership was up on Twitch, so I know we keep saying Wizards needs to step in. Maybe, I mean, <laughs> it would be know. it would be nice, but maybe they don't. I, I'm not sure. Yeah. Honestly, to me, as to me, like if you asked me, like, would you make any changes to Legacy? My answer would be no, because you can compare Legacy to Channel Fireball, but how many years did Channel Fireball run GPs for? And they ran a GP, GPs way more than Legacy. Like, Legacy, I've seen clear improvements from Copenhagen to Paris, right? They're clearly putting so much work in. I think that Legacy will naturally turn I, into an event you I said, I said that I told you we shouldn't turn the app into an infomercial for, for Legacy. <laughs> before True. the before the party, I was like, "Let's." I know you you like them and stuff. Let's try not. To. Yeah, yeah. I know. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. I'm joking. It's, funny. <laughs> it's just funny. Yeah. Uh, well, I think I've think... been doing a minute too. I don't know. I just wanted to, uh, just positive outlook. Kind of. Yeah, we are not legacy shillers, and and uh, shout out Card Market for sponsoring the podcast. 
Lo love a bit of card market. You know, I actually think that I might need to buy a full Pioneer deck off of card market, I guess, working towards the end of the episode. There's a big Magic tournament in the UK. It's both Modern and Pioneer. I've got Blue Red Mark Tide to borrow for the Modern. I need mm -hmm. a Pioneer deck. I think I'm... I checked out on card market. It's like... It's like 200 and something euros for green. Really? That's it? Yeah, it's like really cheap because it's the you've got no mana base and Karn and Nykthos are your big hitters. Yeah. So I think I'm going to go for it. And, and Nykthos is tanked because of the promo. Oh, nice. Yeah. I don't know. Do, do you think we've covered everything we want to cover? I know we rambled a lot, so sure. <laughs> awesome. Well, I guess... To finish off the episode, does life on the line even work here? I guess so. Yeah, we could do Pioneer and Modern, I guess. Okay, life on the line, theoretical And, and Standard and Explorer, and you keep calling it Alchemy. I think it was actually historic. The deck was Diviner of Fate in the Jin, I think. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Okay, life on the line, theoretical tournament tomorrow, win the event you live, lose, you die. Basically, every format in Magic's <laughs> existence. Uh, for Modern, I'm going to be playing Mono White Hammer, shout uh, Sergio Jimenez. Close friend of mine, top four the event over the past weekend. Mono White Hammer, that's great. Pioneer, I'm going to go with Red White Artifacts. I know that Cherry is probably going to be playing Mono Green in the thing, but I bet my life on it. Standard, I'm going to go with Tezzeret Greasefang. That's the only deck I've reps with in the format. Um, Explorer, Blue White Control, I actually really enjoyed the deck. Historic, I'll die. What about you? Historic, yeah, Diviner of Fates, Jin, all the weird cards. That deck uh, has been good for me. Explorer, oh, damn, Blue White Control felt a little underwhelming. I feel like I was ran losing to random stuff like Fires of Invention and stuff, but probably still Blue White Control, definitely Blue White Control for Pioneer, for Standard, I'll go with a Grease Fang Brew, nice. Four Color Grease Fang Tezzeret, um, what's left? Modern, Modern? Pioneer. well, Pioneer, Blue White Control, Modern, I mean, assuming I get some reps in, I think just Blue-White Hammer time. That's my modern project for the near future. Just Ooh. get some reps in with Blue-White Hammer time. You know, deck's been doing so good in, in the hands of, of Happy Sandwich and other players. So I feel like it's it's got to be strong at this point. There's no, like... I mean, I don't care how well you play a deck. You can't just keep doing so well if it's not, like, really good. So, Definitely. yeah. Okay. Price is right. What about Cigar's Aid? If you're going to talk about Hammer Time sure, so much. Sure. So Cigar's Aid Rare, that's played in literally one deck in one format. Alright, I have a price. Cigar's Aid on cardmarket.com. Okay. Wait, let me think about that. It's a rare from, I don't know. Okay, I've got a price. Yeah, I've got a price too. Three, two, one, six. Two euros. Oh wow, you went way over this time? What the hell? There's okay. no way it's six euros. There's no way I'm losing. Yes! What? <laughs> Cigardas 8, average price past 30 days is seven euros and 81 cents on cardmarket.com. Damn, what the hell? Dude, you nailed it too. Easy. It's from Com Oh wait, that's Command. Well, we can check the other one, but is the other one about to be two? Please, Prage. Oh. 
Nice. Even Marks more. Ball. Yeah. You won it from like LG something. <laughs> Damn, I can't win. I, I go high, I lose. I go low, I lose. I'm just a fish. Damn. Good thing we were not we're not betting money on that. <laughs> okay, well, to finish off the episode, Gav, where can we find you on the internet? Twitch.tv slash Yellowhead. I've also started uh, streaming some of the cooking I do, you know, occasionally. I've done it a couple times already, I think. So, yeah. A new schedule, noon to 6 p.m. my time, Paris time. So, yeah, if you're in the U.S., that's like 6 a.m. On the, on the East Coast. Just trying to get on better sleep schedule, longer streams in the afternoon. And still the same, you know, when I'm at home, streaming challenges on the weekend still and whatnot. Awesome. Find me clickbaiting only on YouTube at HarryMTG. My most recent video, 55k views. Pretty nuts. So shout out to that. Hope you guys all enjoyed. Thank you so much for making it this far into the episode. And I guess we'll catch you guys next week. Yeah, if you made it this far, thank you so much for listening. Hope you all have a great week and we'll see you next time. Take care, everyone.